What makes you, you? What makes you tick? The question isn't merely a thought exercise or an attention grabber at the beginning of a sermon. It's actually something very practical. In fact, there are social scientists and behavioral experts and marketing specialists, all who make it their business to know just that about you, your unique characteristics. Take, for example, consumer behaviors. If you're a baby boomer, research suggests that you find convenience and personal engagement to be critical in your shopping experience. Of course, as you might guess, this changes by generation. If you're Gen X, you're apparently more focused on the what, what it is you're buying, the product itself, demonstration of its suitability and proof that it's a good fit for you. If you're Gen Y or, or millennial, and Gen Z, you you like the experience, uh, apparently, of shopping with friends and family and really are looking for an integrated shopping experience across multiple channels from online to in-person. And, of course, everyone's different even within a group. But there are clearly characteristics that describe patterns of thinking and speaking and behavior among people. There are consumer characteristics like we just talked about personality type characteristics. Many of us have taken those personality tests to see what group we fall into. Gender characteristics or, or cultural characteristics. And the list just goes on. And some of them are less important than others, like hair color. That's probably not a characteristic that matters all that much in the grand scheme of things. But some of these are critical to understanding who a person is, why they do what they do. Those we might call core characteristics. They're key aspects of a person's identity and where they find meaning. They're part of what anchors them and orients their life. And so when Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2, continue to live your lives in him, and he's talking about Jesus, when Paul encourages the Colossian Christians to be rooted and built up in Christ, and, and when he talks about being strengthened in the faith as they were taught, he's talking about what forms their core? He's talking about those key aspects of the Colossians' identity. He's talking about what, what grounds and anchors and orients these people in life above all else. Because the truth is, everybody's rooted in something. Everyone has some key aspects of identity. For some people, religion is a big part of that. In fact, the vast majority of the world claims some sort of religious affiliation, whether Christian or Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, or other. And those studies suggest that about 16% of people are unaffiliated, that, that is, they don't claim any specific religion. Many of those still have this sense of spiritualism that plays into who they are. And on the other hand, some people reject spiritual realities altogether. And yet, they too are still grounded in something. That something may be a worldview like atheism that denies the existence of the divine or agnosticism that claims we simply can't know some of those things. Humanism that derives ultimate meaning from our human experience. Scientism that poses scientific truth as the arbiter of all and so on. But of course, as you might expect, it's not just isms and worldviews and religions that are critical components of identity. A couple years back, the Pew Research Center analyzed 17 advanced economies in a study of what gives life meaning. That was their, their focus. What gives life meaning? And the top sources of meaning reported by Americans were as follows. In first place, it was family. 
and second, friends. And so both of those are obviously related, relationship-oriented. Third place was material well-being. And fourth was occupation. And then finally, fifth was faith. With only 15% of Americans finding that their faith gives life meaning. Barna Research conducted a study with a somewhat similar aim. They were looking into what Americans consider central to their identity. So uh, not just what gives life meaning, but central to one's identity. And the number one, again, for Americans was family. Number two, being an American. And number three was faith. And so what's the point of all this? Oh, it's, it's really just to demonstrate what we all know intuitively. Everyone anchors themselves in something. Everyone looks for meaning somewhere. Everyone orients their experiences in some way, whether it's in religious beliefs or relationships or worldviews or occupations or, or just in one's own personal philosophy on how to live. And most people, by far, most people in this world and around us are trying to do that. They're trying to find these ultimate answers and personal meaning. They're trying to root and orient themselves somewhere or in something other than Jesus Christ. Which brings us to our focus for today. This is the inaugural Sunday in our vision series, a set of messages and Bible studies here at Ascension that are intended to ground us and orient and provide direction for our ministry here. And when we say vision, it's it's not about trying to, to predict the future. The future's in God's hands. Rather, this vision is all about faithfulness to the work Christ has given us, a faithfulness that leads us to consider our own capabilities as a, a, a church, a local gathering of believers, to take advantage of the opportunities God places before us, and above all, to deeply grasp who we are as Christians and what our calling is. That's what we're focusing on this morning, to deeply grasp who we are as Christians and what our calling is that Christ has given to each of us in this world. And thankfully, Scripture makes both of those, our identity and our calling, very clear. We, the people of Ascension, are disciples of Jesus Christ. And as disciples, we are part of a great mission. Jesus put it in these words when he appeared to his disciples after his resurrection. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded and we could sum up everything that Jesus says there about our mission in, in, in these maybe simple words. Our mission as disciples of Jesus is to make disciples of Jesus. That's what Paul had been doing. And that's what Paul was continuing to do as he preached the gospel to, to the Colossians, as he first brought them the gospel and made them disciples of Jesus, and then also in his writing, as he writes to them now in this letter about what that identity as disciple means. He says to them, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him. That is, being a disciple of Jesus isn't simply a characteristic like hair length or eye color. It's not your shopping preferences or consumer habits. It's not even like language or ethnicity. It's far deeper than any of that, far deeper than skin color, far more fundamental than to who we are than, than our occupation, far more fundamental than anything else. It's not simply a characteristic to describe us, but disciple of Christ is the characteristic that defines us. 
the all-encompassing truth of identity that rules all others. In short, being a disciple of Jesus means finding all of your life in Jesus. It means being rooted in Jesus. And there is nothing more critical than that. And to see why, just look around us. Look around us at, at, at where people and we are at times drawn to root ourselves. In, in, in race, rooting ourselves in our ethnicity or race, well, the outcome of that is written in history books, plays out in the news, and it's usually not good. Grounding ourselves in occupation. Eventually, our hands will weaken, our strength will be sapped, our accomplishments will fade from our view and from the view of others. Trying to find our, our identity in our nationality, well, look at the political turmoil of our own country and the Ukrainian and Russian lives lost over the last year that reveals the limits and failures of that approach to life. Orienting ourselves according to a humanistic worldview, whether that's atheism or agnosticism or scientism or whateverism, should we really be doing that? Should we really be hitching our wagon to the wisdom of this world with what plays out here on a daily basis? Even family, even family and friends, even anchoring ourselves and finding our identity and purpose and meaning in our closest of human relationships, well, certainly there's meaning there. There's often deep meaning in those. But there's also often deep disappointment and hurt and letdown. And no matter who we are, there will eventually be death. We could go on and on, but the outcome would be the same. No matter where people find value in this world, no matter how people orient their lives or what forms their deep truth or what they are rooted in, if it is outside of Jesus Christ, if it is other than Jesus Christ, there is this common shadow that, that, that runs across it all and that we could summarize in a single word. Death. which is why our work as Christ's church is so critical. This world and the individual souls within it and around us are in need of a transplant. And friends, Christ alone is the rich soil that satisfies. Listen to how Paul puts it in the verses that follow from Colossians chapter 2. He says, For in Christ... All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. Admittedly, Paul's words can be a bit theologically heavy, like rich fudge that you can only enjoy a little at a time before your taste buds become a bit overwhelmed. So as not to overwhelm our spiritual taste buds, let's, let's just take a, a short bite here, a small bite, and savor it. In Jesus Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives bodily. That is, Paul's saying that in Jesus Christ is everything that God is. Everything that God promises is in Christ. All of God's power and goodness and his grace to us, it's in Jesus Christ. All of his mercy and his free forgiveness for us who know him and for all people, it's in Jesus Christ. All of his good purposes for humankind, his satisfaction for every need, his answers to all life's troubles. 
are in Jesus Christ. All the fullness of life, all of it, that God so dearly and desperately desires for you and me and every dying soul of this world, all of it is in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Which is why when we find our life in him, when people find their life in him and are oriented and grounded in Jesus Christ, that's why Paul says, in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. Put another way, as we become rooted in Jesus Christ, God's complete and full answer for our every need becomes ours. For every human need, yours, mine's, and everyone else's, Jesus Christ is shown to be the source of identity that satisfies in every way. Do you see the implications for our life, our calling as Christians? Everyone around us, friends, is either rooted in life or rooted in death. There are no in-betweens. There are no gray areas. There's no one who's just fine by themselves, trying to get along as best as they can. And our mission as a church requires that we live in view of that reality at all times. C.S. Lewis, prominent Christian apologist and writer of the 20th century in a sermon titled The Weight of Glory, said it profoundly. He writes, all day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or other of these destinations. And he's talking about life or death, eternal life or death. It is in the light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all our dealings with one another, all friendships, all loves, all play, all politics. There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilization, these are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. Friends, being rooted in Jesus Christ personally for ourselves and rooting others in Jesus Christ, there's nothing more critical. Which brings us to our second major point today. This rooting in Jesus, it never stops. Look again at Paul's words. He says, so then, just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Continue to live your lives in him. Friends, being rooted in Christ isn't merely a Sunday morning exercise. Being rooted in Christ isn't just the weekly trip to church. Being rooted in Christ doesn't begin and end with this podcast or in our personal prayers or in even our personal devotion. No, being rooted in Christ can include all of that, but it's also much more. Being rooted in Jesus Christ, as Paul speaks about it here, it is our whole life. Or in other words, it's our ongoing everyday discipleship. It's a rooting and being rooted in Christ that never ends. Once again, some Barna research from 2020 will help us put the need in perspective. According to Barna, since the early 
2000s, around the year 2000, the number of practicing Christians. So, so this is Christians active in their faith, not just people who are ticking a box on a census form, but active Christians, the number of practicing Christians has dropped in half over the last 20 some years. Some of these formerly active Christians drifted away from the faith some, and they became only loosely connected with their faith, and some of them left Christianity altogether. And the report comments, committed Christians are not the ones who are moving away from faith communities. Instead, movement is occurring most among those who are marginally, only marginally attached to their faith to begin with. Or using Paul's terminology, as we've been talking about, you might say that there has been a failure to root and be rooted deeply, continually in Jesus. That danger of roots drying up or growing roots into what does not satisfy and doesn't give life. That's exactly what Paul was concerned about for the Colossians because they were struggling with what he calls a deceitful philosophy, something that was trying to burrow into their lives. And if it took hold, it would rot their roots in Jesus. Therefore, their discipleship, their their being rooted in Christ needed intentional, critical focus. Continue to live your lives in him, Paul wrote in Christ's Holy Spirit speaks these same words to us today. Being rooted in Jesus begins with the Holy Spirit's initial gift of faith, but it does not end there. Being rooted in Christ includes being built up in him by the Spirit, actively, ongoing, throughout life. It's, it's like a tree. Over time, every bud, every shoot, every leaf, all the growth from sprout to sapling to mighty oak is a testimony to the good soil that tree lives in, that its roots have grown into. So God desires it to be with us. When, when we come to Christ, we receive him as Lord, just as Paul says, as our God who answers our first questions and first fears and first needs with his word of mercy and promise. As we continue in Christ, God desires our roots to grow, not to remain shallow, but to grow deep down into the richness of Christ, into, as Paul puts it, all the fullness of God that is in Jesus. And so growing roots into Christ means growing into the fullness he's promised, experiencing it, grasping it, embracing it, and making it our own. Growing our roots into Jesus means embracing him as the ongoing answer to every need that arises in life, all the new needs that we haven't yet even experienced. Growing our roots in Christ means recognizing that Jesus and his word is the fully sufficient response to every competing philosophy, whatever ism it may be. Growing our roots in Christ means a growing impact and claim of Christ on our daily activities, the way we see other people, what we prioritize in life, how we raise our kids. And just like a plant, growing our roots in Christ requires intentional, purposeful care over time. We are in it for the long haul, for ourselves and for one another. As Paul says, continue, continue to live your lives in him. In the coming weeks, we will explore how this rooting takes place here at Ascension through our ministry that we share together. For today, hear and embrace our calling, our mission, our passion 
as Christians and as the people of ascension. We root people in Jesus Christ. Amen.